Thank you for tuning in. We'll get to your program right after this short word from our sponsor. In your company, a challenge? Are you battling turnover and struggling to draw key talent? Is your team not performing at the level you want? Problems present themselves through conflict, miscommunication, creative differences, unclear expectations, and motivational issues. ARC Integrated is here to address these challenges through executive coaching and customized interactive trainings. Create lasting positive change that will improve your bottom line and create a culture that attracts talent and reduces turnover by going to arcintegrated.com. That's arcintegrated.com. How does an economy that is more mindful and less mindless become a reality? Welcome to the Mindful Marketplace. I'm your host, Joel Skeen, and I'm happy to welcome you to the show where we ask experts, entrepreneurs, investors, and industry leaders for their perspectives on how all of us can, on every level, do our part to help create a more mindful marketplace. Welcome back to our two-part conversation with um, the CEO and principal of Revalue Investments, Angela Barbash. Um, if you missed the first half of our conversation with Angela last week, I highly recommend you go back and give that a listen, either on Spotify, on um, Stitcher, on iHeartRadio, on Amazon Music. I'm sure I'm forgetting a couple, um, but wherever you get your podcasts, go back and listen to the episode that we did where Angela really got to share with us how she got started and has started making a really huge dent in our economy towards, I think, one of the key pieces to a mindful marketplace, which is the ability for regular people like you and me to be able to invest our money in a way that actually aligns with our values and supports our community. We've talked before on this show about how your dollar is your vote, where you spend your money, cast a vote towards the kind of future that you want to see. If you spend that at a multinational corporation, that's what we're going to have more of. If you spend that at a local independent business that's in your community, that's what we're going to have more of. And one of the biggest um, obstacles or one of the biggest kind of new exciting opportunities, they're both one and the same, of course, is local investing, not just spending your money where you want to see your future, but actually investing your money into that. I did do an episode a few weeks back that covered 10 strategies for local investing that I'd also recommend you take a listen to. But in this episode, we're going to pick up right where we left off with Angela after we talked about the creation of her um, firm, Revalue, and about what it's going to look like in the future when it comes to investments when it regarding investing based on our values and investing in a way that supports our local communities, our families, and ourselves. So Angela, welcome back. Glad to have you back here. Uh, thank you so much. It's a delight to be here. Yeah, we, I'm excited. I just want to dive right back in. You were talking about what you what it was like to start Revalue and what you realized by talking to the community, talking to people about what they needed. Um, and I wanted to start by asking you a simple question. What would it actually look like in our world if people could, like they used to be able to do 100, 150 years ago, if they were able to, normal people like you and me were able to actually invest not just in Wall Street, but in our own local Main Street? What is that vision and what would that actually do for us? Uh, that's uh, It's like 
closing your eyes and dreaming a bit, right? <laughs> um, and uh, romanticizing what could be. Uh, I, you know, I think obviously that having more resources at a community level uh, could solve so many problems that have been created by the the starvation of capital from uh, from small communities and from from uh, urban areas and and you know just from the things we care about uh, there are there's just so much struggle that's created by that wealth being siphoned off into uh, fewer and fewer hands in more remote places that are not here in our own backyard. But I think beyond that, there is a kinship that has been lost uh, that I would think we would be able to regain a, a sense of interdependentness that um, Russ is what you had said in your monologue at the top of the first part of this conversation that doing life together in community is incredibly rewarding and quite possibly the only way that our species will survive, that that we were meant to live that way, to be uh, resilient together. And I think when we tie our capital together, not just our financial capital, but our social capital and our time capital and our energy capital, I think when we tie those things together uh, with other people, it, it, intertwines us in a really beautiful way that that is not possible when when we're not intentionally doing those things and certainly starting with financial capital uh, can can really leap us back into that place yeah it does seem like the way the things are set up now it creates a little bit of disconnection and alienation between you know you and the people in your own community and the entrepreneurs and business owners that are there you know when a startup company or a local business needs to expand and grow, they typically go to a big bank or, you know, some other very large Wall Street type lender who's going to, you know, make money on interest off of a loan from them or take um, some kind of equity and stock in that business. And then you also have people who live in that same town who are putting money away month after month after month for their own retirement savings, doing their own investing. But that money is also going to, you know, Wall Street and to those same kind of banks. And it seems like there's a, a disconnect between, you know, why not be able to take that same investment and just go directly to the source and just directly kind of cast your vote for the kind of future that you want to see by investing in a local business that adds value to your community and may, you know, local businesses, as we know, do a better job of treating their employees better. Usually they usually do a better job with their um, environmental impact. There's a variety of reasons why local is better, but when it comes to investing, there seems to be this complete disconnect and gap. Um, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm curious. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say that uh, the term for that, uh, the technical term in, in uh, the finance world is disintermediation, that that what has happened over the last 50 years is that intermediaries, meaning advisors and fund managers and banks and, uh, you know, and other finance institutions have gotten in between your dollar, Joel, 
your your investment dollar and uh, that business in town that needs that capital. And the the disintermediation process cuts everybody out of the middle of that so that it becomes a direct relationship between you and that business. And uh, and so that's really what we're unwinding. It's, it's a part of what we're unwinding by uh, doing things differently this way. And, and it's my dream. And I know I speak for everyone at Revalue that uh, 50 years from now, our business is obsolete because there's no need, you know, that we are, we are knowledgeable and have the ability to shift our capital around and to support each other and making wise financial decisions without the need of an advisor standing in the middle of that conversation. Yeah. And just so the listener has, you know, you guys out there have sort of an idea of the kind of impact this can make. Angela, you had recommended a book to me called Put Your Money Where Your Life Is by Michael Schumann. And he put out this really interesting idea and stat. He said that if 60% of retirement savings from ordinary people went not up to Wall Street, but they went into the local community. If there was a way for that to happen and that was normalized, it was made convenient for people that if 60% of retirement savings was invested locally, that would give a small town, a small city of 10,000 people about a billion dollars extra each year to invest into their communities that we would see a billion dollars of investment into a small city simply by that. If we were to see a small, uh, uh, you know, a little bit larger city, you know, but not huge, just a hundred thousand. Now we're talking $10 billion of investment. It's very difficult to imagine a government program or, you know, some other kind of institution stepping in and creating the kind of impact that we could simply make by investing our capital locally. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's it's pretty amazing when you think about how much money people have got in uh, 401k plans and pension plans and in various places in the financial system, and none of it is in their backyard. None of it has a tie to their their homeland. Uh, if if anything, maybe they've got a municipal bond. Maybe they've got some savings at a local bank that is doing local lending. But that is a typical, typically the extent to which someone's dollars are actually impacting their own backyard. Backyard. But imagine if we did, if we could shift everything back home, so to speak, repatriate those dollars. <laughs> yeah. And you guys have really started the ball rolling on that. You know, obviously there's a long way to go. Yeah. I want to talk a little bit about what you guys have been able to accomplish and how you've been able to accomplish it. I know yeah. that it's been somewhat on the policy side of things, but also just on educating people. And it sounded like that's where it really started for you. Yeah. Yeah. It, I mean, it really had to because, uh, you know, it was like I was speaking a foreign language to a lot of folks. And uh, and so in those f- first five years, I mentioned in our last episode at the end that, uh, that we spent the first five years really inserting ourselves in economic development and doing a lot of education. And we did some policy work. We helped to get the laws changed in the state of Michigan while the whole country was waiting for the JOBS Act, what is now referred to as Regulation Crowdfunding or Reg CF. We were waiting for those rules to come out. Uh, that law had been passed in 2012. The rules didn't come out until 2016. And in those four years that everyone was waiting, uh, us and a lot of other folks around the country became very activated at a state level to pass state laws to at least be able to invest locally. 
and for some context for the, for folks listening, uh, you know, the laws all changed in the 1930s uh, to to make it literally impossible, not virtually, not figuratively, but literally impossible for a small business to raise capital from people in the community that they they were not friends and family with. And uh, and and it's just absurd to imagine that that could be illegal, that that is that <laughs> we can't have capital conversations among ourselves in a town. But that was the law for 85 years, 90 years. And uh, so the Jobs Act was the first step in in unwinding those restrictions. And, um, and, and at the time when the rules were issued uh, in 2016, a company could raise a million dollars. Now the rules uh, have been loosened even more. A company can raise $5 million uh, from investors that they don't have pre-existing relationships with and are not high net worth investors. They could just be any kind of investor. And so we... we you know, got some state laws changed to 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 make that you know loosen the restrictions in the state of Michigan. We were the fourth state to do that. By the time the Jobs Act rules came out, I think you know thirty states had done it or so. Um, and uh, and since then, uh, other legislation is being proposed in Michigan right now. So this is kind of in the list of things happening in the moment uh, to create a tax incentive for local investment. So. Uh, Michigan resident invests a thousand dollars. They could get fifty cents on the dollar as a tax credit on that investment uh, to help reduce the the um, the risk and uh, de- you know kind of de-risk that whole thing for the investor, so that at least they're going to get half of their money back if the business unfortunately doesn't succeed. That would be the first state in the country to do something like that, and it's modeled after legislation uh, from Nova Scotia in Canada. And uh, so there are very real public policy things that need to change, need to happen. But there's uh, there's also just the, the, the foundational element of education. It's never going to go away uh, because we <clears throat> we are so undereducated in <clears throat> in uh, this country about finance and about uh, economic systems. And so uh, that that education, uh, we've done it as a roadshow. Uh, where we've, you know, been in 15 different cities in Michigan and done this cool mock pitch thing, you know, where people have got play money and they got to decide whether to invest in this mock company that has pitched to them or not. We've done it um, in in various other kinds of formats, uh, really to try to keep it fun because finance can be a pretty intimidating topic if, uh, you know, if we don't make it fun, then folks aren't going to want to learn. Well, it it, kind of seems like it's been like, there's some intention around making it a difficult topic for people. Like you said, it's it's almost like we tried to, like there's someone at least has tried to make it something that it feels like ordinary people shouldn't be able to talk about with each other. (laughs) Oh yeah. You know, the finance industries, I think most ingenious, uh, terrible things, the uh, <clears throat> principle is is to convince people that they are not smart enough to do things on their own. You know that it, you know it's it's too. It, there's a lot of whiz bang happening here. You can't possibly understand it, which I say is hogwash. As somebody who grew up knowing nothing about money, I'm the first one to tell you that uh, you can learn about money actually mm-hmm. without well, the finance mean- industry. <laughs> And you mentioned in the last episode that a lot of the people who 
were the early pioneers of local investing, slow money movement, impact investing, were not people actually inside the finance industry. These were people coming out of it. And part of your work has been trying to bridge that gap and create yeah. an environment where to legitimize and to actually make these practices and to make this type of investing possible for people. Um, you know, I'd love to hear about the progress that's been made. And then we can also get into a little bit about what, what still has to be done. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I like to remind myself and others that it took 500 years to create the economic systems we are suffering under today. And it's definitely going to take at least a hundred years to unwind them and build something better. So uh, there's so much work to be done that will span well after my lifetime, I'm sure. Uh, but the exciting things that are happening now, you know, after we put in those first five years, and then we really turned our attention to j just working on the investor side of things and digging in really deep on uh, helping investors actually move that money. And uh, that's where you really, we ran into all the operational and infrastructure gaps and uh, that make it difficult for us all to move our money uh, in a kind of streamlined, efficient way. And so uh, some of the ways that we are, you know, some of the things that are happening like right now as we talk in the winter of 2022, um, one thing is that investment advisors, financial planners, and financial coaches or money coaches are have all started banding together from across the country over the last few years. It started in 2020. Uh, it is now a robust community of at least 100 advisors. And uh, we call ourselves RAD planners, uh, RAD for radical, but also RAD because it's cool. We love what we're doing. It's pretty rad work. So, uh, so you we're your sunglasses yeah. and your skateboards. And <laughs> totally, totally. Um, and so we, so we're, we're, you know, rad planners are, we're informal kind of loose knit group of people. We got a Slack channel. We meet once a month. We hang out at conferences. We buddy up and, uh, and, and together we are, we're doing peer to peer intensive learning and, and open sourcing of the things that we've learned or the processes, the tools we're using, you know, tools we've created, um, you know, to, to handle this kind of business. And, and it's not just about local investing either. It's about redistributing all of your wealth or going completely off of Wall Street. You know, that's called the divestment movement or, uh, or completely reimagining what retirement planning looks like and, and what retirement, quote unquote, retirement looks like. And so uh, this is a sandbox that I think is going to have a meaningful butterfly effect for decades to come uh, that you know, for the ways that this is shifting inve investment advisor behavior, which inevitably will affect their clients. So that's a thing that's happening right now. Another cool thing happening is due diligence. The cost of due diligence in terms of time effort uh, has been a huge barrier um, in the industry and for investors, individual investors uh, doing it on their own. Um, fun fact, if you were to try to pay an existing kind of firm that does due diligence to, to look at a deal for you, expect a price tag of five to $10,000. Hmm. Now five to $10,000 for like, you know, the person in the town that wants to invest a hundred dollars in the coffee shop down the street is just ridiculous. Right. And so that cost has to come down. And one way that 
the ourselves and our peers are trying to bring that cost down is talking about how we can collaborate on due diligence. Like why are, you know, seven different firms in the country looking at the same deal and asking that issuer, which is what you call the, the, company that is raising the capital, they're called an issuer. Uh, why are we asking this issuer to answer, you know, questions that are probably 80% the same questions across all of our questionnaires? It's completely inefficient for the mm-hmm. issuers. It frustrates them and it makes them not want to raise local capital. It makes them not want to do anything other than go get an SBA loan where they just have to deal with one bank. Uh, so we have to make that more efficient for the issuer and more efficient for the investors and anyone who's helping the investors. So we're, we actually have a call on the books in, in the first quarter of 23 uh, with, you know, 40 different firms that are coming together that I've self-organized over the last few months to have our first due diligence collaboration call and see what comes of it. And uh, I don't know if uh, a co-op will come out of this or a uh, maybe we all pitch in to a pot of money to pay for that five to ten thousand dollar price tag uh, from a third party. Or, you know, we all pitch in on a, a single staff member that we all share. I'm not sure what the outcome will be, but it can only be good because I've been calling for this and others have to for five years now. And now it's finally happening. Well, and I know from talking with you, but also just from mentioning the general ideas to regular folks that there there is a market demand for this that you've not been able to completely meet. You know, it seems like you and some of your oh, yeah. peers are at capacity. Um, yep. And but a lot of people just don't know about it. Um, that they could even, but once they learn about it, then they have a demand for it, right? Yes, um, yes. But I'm curious, you know, to close up here, do you have a favorite story or a favorite, um, you know, thing that, uh, uh, investment that you've helped facilitate into the local economy that really Ooh. stands out to you as being just a really good example of the kind of work that you're doing and what you'd like to see more of? Oh, you're asking me to pick a favorite child. Are you kidding me? (laughs) Um, (laughs) um, One minute child. (laughs) One minute child. Um, You know, I'm going to point to a a project in California. Uh, I don't think I can say the name of it because I think they're still raising capital. And so that could be like an investment recommendation. But I can can tell you that it's a housing uh, development and it is... Uh, a nonprofit that is purchasing uh, apartment buildings and is turning it into permanent housing for the chronically displaced uh, folks in the community so that they have uh, a home that they can land on. Uh, And then I think what's even more exciting about that and other deals like it is that there is a a path to ownership uh, for the tenants of that building, that they Mm -hmm. could actually become owners of that building over time and build equity. Um, that's just one of many I could point to. Man, that's awesome. I absolutely love the work you're doing. You know, as I said, honestly, Angela, you are one of the reasons that the idea for this show ex- and the reason why this show exists, um, the work you're doing is just so incredible. I'm sure we're going to have you back on at some point. Um, where can people find you, connect with you and follow you? Yeah, so go to revalueinvesting.com and uh, you can reach out to us there. Uh, we love to to meet everybody that uh, we can meet with, even 
if you we're not trying to actually like do business with each other. We just like to know folks. Uh, and, uh, and yeah, I think that's really the best way to get in touch. I spend less and less time on social media every day, every year, and uh, would rather just have conversations with folks. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for being on here today. Um, as always, Go to uh, bizradio.us. Check out this episode as well as um, as well as shows from lots of other great local entrepreneur guests here on bizradio.us. You can also connect directly with me at mindfulmarketplaceshow.com. Um, thank you so much for being on here uh, today, Angela. Really, really great conversation. And um, for all of you out there, um, take care of yourselves and take care of someone else today. Bye-bye now. Thank you for listening. If you liked what you just heard, be sure to subscribe to the podcast and be sure to visit bizradio.us to find hundreds of other engaging conversations, local events, and more.